Hi, good morning. I'm Ozzy Jurok. I'm the host of Ozbus, where we interview eclectic and interesting and successful people in and around the real estate uh, world. And today we are very, very pleased to have with us Rob Sutherland, who has created a new unique niche for himself in a, in a very difficult and tricky business, the real estate brokerage business. So welcome, Rob. Hey, thanks for having me on, Ozzy. Yeah, it's nice to have you. Now, you're, you've been always on the forefront of artificial intelligence and you know virtual reality and all that stuff. Do you think that AI changes the way real estate is being sold and bought as well? I mean, I think there's nobody who's going to replace a realtor anytime soon. I think that's one of the things when we look at robots replacing jobs and things like that, I think that they're not going to be knocking on doors anytime soon. They're not going to be putting together a client list. That's just my opinion. Oh, well, I would agree with that because there's also lots of things a local realtor will know. You know, I mean, half of Kelowna is built on clay. You know, would you want to have your house there? Or, you know, there's a lot of local influences that, that a realtor can do. But AI is making changes, you know, creating lists, creating contacts and so on. Absolutely. And removing some administrative tasks that perhaps some of the realtors or brokerages don't need to do. Maybe that's something they can use ChatGPT for. Yeah, well, ChatGTP, everybody talks about, but I use for videos, I use a, a program called Pictory.ai, and Pictory actually lets me talk, put my talk in the machine, translates it, and then puts pictures to each heading. So if I said the inflation rate in Germany and France happens to be like in the USA, it shows me pictures of Germany, France, and USA, and as I speak, I go click, click, click. And in 20 minutes, I did one the other day for the Real Estate Action Group, and I've, in 20 minutes, I put together this seven or eight minute video and anybody could do it if i can do it anybody can do it so it does change it's true, but it's does, true. It, does, sure. it, does it help the real estate industry overall you think i think technology as a whole does help the real estate industry i think one of the things you know i think we both saw years and years ago was listings were all published in a book you know and you had to see a realtor to get that book of listings and then shop for your properties that way and you're never going to know what's new to the market because it takes a month to get those books and things like that right so obviously having properties listed online and being able to shop is a great thing you know and i think there are certain things that that do benefit the real estate when it comes to technology, obviously phones and computers and things like that, but nothing's going to replace that human touch. You know, that's one of the things as a call center, you know, people are tired of robo dialers. People are tired of fraud calls coming through with not real people on the other end of the phone. They want to talk to a human. They want to talk to somebody that probably speaks English as a first language, and it's not going to be a robot. So there are things that won't be replaced by technology. I'm sure of it. Well, particularly since you're not just a, average call center, you're very industry focused. So your people know what they're talking about when they talk to either a client or an agent or, or a buyer. I got the other day, I got a video sent to me where an robot is actually getting a client to come to the office. And so it's a voice and you think it's a human being. Well, that's almost too much. You know, it's a, it's a little, a little scary. But everything has changed in a brokerage, even without AI. I mean, we have now brokerages that are operating only agents from home and so what do you think in the last four years have been the big changes? I think there's been some companies that got very lucky at the start of COVID because everything went remote for a while there. One of the one that was primed was EXP, you know, and EXP had a huge influx of agents come there because they were set up for it. They got lucky. But one of the things we've seen is, sure, some brokerages have converted to EXP, but then you've got these other brokerages that are trying to be virtual. And the one thing that's kind of the common denominator that people complain about that I hear coast to coast, United States and Canada, is the lack of support. You know, the, yes, sure, you, you can cut me on my fees and this is less expensive and I never go to the office anyway, so I'm not paying your overhead. But 
there's nobody there to answer my call at 10 o'clock at night when I'm trying to put, to put a deal together. And that's one of the things that I think will not go away. And, and a robot can answer those questions. Maybe someday there'll be something like that. But there's so many different intrinsic things to putting deals together, whether that's for real estate or for mortgage or for finance, that you can't just sit there and go, okay, we can't have any support. We're going to cut all that. And that'll be how we save money. It, it's just not going to work. Well, I used to run a large real estate brokerage and we had a commission split, right? And then the, what I call the desk renters, the 100 percenters came along and, and they tried to treat me. And I said, well, 100 percent or nothing is still nothing. You know, I mean, yeah, if you exactly. have a deal and it's 11 o'clock at night, our managers are not competition, comp competition with you. They go with you and close that deal that night. Today, everybody sends out 100 emails and hopes that money sort of will flow in. So, okay, so the new realtor, what is he looking or she looking for in a real estate office? You know, one of the things we've seen that's transformed as our business in the last five, 10 years is more independent offices coming along. You know, you've got this guy, he's a producer, he's done a million deals where he's grown up and everybody knows him. And he said, you know what? I don't need a Remax. I don't need a Cobalt Banker brand. I'm going to be Bob Smith Realty. Everybody knows me and they build a team strategically that way. And then they, they actually help the realtors develop leads off of their good reputation and things like that. And it's a lot less anonymous. And I think the big brands have definitely felt that. We've seen company after company come to us and say, hey, can you call all these brokerages that are independent and try and sell them on our franchise? And every time we try and do a campaign like that, we see how dedicated people are to Bob Smith Realty. You know, they're like, yeah. I love this guy. We yeah. shouldn't change that. And, and so that's one of the things, again, I think is, has been transforming a bit in the industry is it, the need for a big brand isn't so important because at the end of the day, the realtor is the one bringing the deals in anyways, right? It's, it's well, an entrepreneurial. The realtor has, you know, his clients. And if, if, we, if it's true and we move every three or four years, well, if you've been in a business for a while, you have people that know you, then then they'll call you or you call them and you get referrals. And that is the local locality of the real estate business, no question itself. So it's not just competing on price and how much commission I get, but what a broker owner should be looking for in order to hire salespeople. Yeah, I think that circling the drain on price is a bad idea for anything. I mean, you've got people with Amazon stores trying to compete on people for a few cents here and there and doing Shopify websites and things like that. We're just just competing on price. That is going away in the real estate industry as we're getting down to the nitty gritty of people who are going to like we were talking about before the call, who are making it through right now, who are still doing deals. Those people are super valuable, right? And they don't care here or there if it's a split of this or whatever, you know, if they're paying $1,000 a month or whatever it is, as long as they're getting something they want from their broker or that they like their broker, they're going to stay there. And, and that's another thing. They need to be treated more like entrepreneurs. They're like a small business. It's like if you're if you're a realtor trying to, you know, get started in the business and there's an older guy in the office with a book of business, you should look at that like an MA. It's a merger and acquisition, <laughs> right? Like, like yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There's no question that uh, that you know the, the best trainers probably are right sitting beside you in the office. And that is the question. Should you be working from home or should you be working in the office? I mean, is the brick and mortar finished? And I, I know when I was president of Royal Page and we had 320 offices and they were all company owned. So we could determine whether they should be in a shopping center or on a main street or should they be new or older. And actually what we found was uh, none of that really mattered. What mattered was who was the guy or the gal in charge of the office? I thought that was the biggest surprise to me. He had money to spend. We had $560 million gross of gross income. We're talking about a long time ago. It was real money. So we could have built every, all new offices, but that wasn't the key, was that we hired the right kind of manager who created the right kind of environment. And you know what? There could be the lover kind of manager who 
attracted lover kind of salespeople, right? They'd all go to lunch together and they all, you know, have parties and or the mean spirited manager. It didn't matter because he bought it, whipped them, you know, said, you know, you go out there with your phone call, here's your list, did you do that? Some people attracted to that. And it was funny, we'd sometimes change a manager and the really successful office wasn't successful anymore. And we thought it was something to do with the office. Now it was with the person. And so brick and mortar, yes or no? I think, I mean, I like the brick and mortar model. Most of our clients have got an office across the Canada and across the United States markets. You know, I think we've done well with some people who are remote, but again, it's like you're meeting in coffee shops, you're, 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 you're meeting it on zoom and things like that. And I think right now, so many people are kind of starved for attention and social interaction, especially people who are in residential real estate. They want to come and meet in an office and meet with people and stuff like that. And that whole thing about having a non-competing manager and broker, I think that's up for question right now because a lot of the time our worst clients, <clears throat> excuse me, are people who have never done a deal before in their life. They're a manager who have just sits there and they check deals and it's an admin task. They're not producing. Our best clients are people who still do deals. Mm -hmm. I think people right now are attracted to people who are doing business. Yeah. You know, and that that especially in the real estate industry is extremely important because then it's inspiring, right? Oh, that deal didn't come through. Oh, well, Bruce still did two deals this week. Man, how can I get in with him and learn more about that rather than talking to some guy who's never put a deal together? That to me is more important than whether it's in an office or in a basement. I mean, one of our most successful clients, she lives in Puerto Rico for her tax purposes, who brokerage is in, in Denver, and then she sells specifically in a uh, second home market that's by Vail, Colorado. You know, and it's like, I mean, how she's so far away from these people, but yeah. yet her office is growing exponentially because she can drive the leads in because she's still making sales. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing. The, the whole question about working from home or being by yourself is in question. I was listening to Elon Musk the other day, and he said, well, he had 7,800 people. He laid 6,000 off, and uh, uh, the, nothing really changed at Twitter. <laughs> but, if he, but if he has companies and corporations, they want to create a sort of a an environment where people meet the girl from from accounting meets the guy from the carpool or whatever at the coffee bar right? that's why they create this big coffee station so there's some interaction and uh, understanding what what a culture is he also was sort of interesting that he felt people that don't go to work that are at home that taking advantage of those of us that have to go to work like you know if i'm a bus driver i gotta go but you you get to sit at home so very unique guy of course and a very unique take but the idea was that yes it's good to get together with people and good to get particularly in the real estate industry you know so that you're talking about well, well most realtors work from their car anyways right like that's yeah. the thing they should be out and about i mean i remember working at remax in a 5,000 square foot office with five people in there meanwhile they had 120 agents on the roster because they're all out trying to put deals together Sure. In fact, as a manager, yeah. a long, long time ago, I used to chase them out. What are you doing there? Go get, make the door knock, go get some business, right? You can't. That's a good them. idea. But on the other hand, you come back to the office, you have camaraderie, you can talk, you can see what's going on there, what's the marketplace like, what the competition is doing, right? So there's good and bad. So, okay. So, what about digital marketing then? Is it dead or is it new or what do you do? I mean, Ozzy, it depends on how you're going to define that digital marketing. I think things like email are still very good. I think that if you're doing regular publications via email to a database that's receptive to them, you're going to improve your business that way for sure. People are going to click through. People are going to read your stuff. People are going to respond. You can go in and look at the data and see, okay, John Smith from this business or this office looked at my stuff. I'm going to call him. Hey, John, thanks for reading my newsletter. You know, how are things going? Yeah, I'd love to talk to you on Tuesday. Book an appointment. Bam. That type of a thing happens with email. 
when I look at, you know, let's say 2007 or 2008, when Facebook and the marketing started on those type of platforms and Twitter and things like that and Instagram and, and whatnot, if you're going to be an influencer and make that your, your job in life and, and, and really focus on that, you're probably going to be able to turn a profit on it. If you're just going to play with these social media things as a toy, then they're not going to make you any money. Get on the phone. That's why our company switched away from that stuff. We used to build websites for people for thousands of dollars. Hey, websites are still good to have. We used to do email campaigns for people. Hey, they're still good to have. We used to do social media. Ah, that's up for question. But as soon as we started doing actual phone calls for people, talking to people about their businesses and booking appointments, our business exploded. And we started giving people more jobs that we could handle and we had more clients that we can handle because it actually gets results. And I think that that's one of the errors with digital marketing is, yes, it, there are ways to get an ROI off of it. Or there are so many ways to pacify yourself with it and say, oh, I did this today. And I, I posted a picture of my car in front of, front of 7-Eleven or whatever. <laughs> but it's not really doing anything, you know, but that's just my opinion. No, no, I think that's a great opinion. Actually, you know, you know, Mr. Wonderful, the guy that is always on, on you know, the, on TV, uh, or Kevin O'Leary, Canadian who ran for prime minister at one time, but he wrote a very good book and, and, and just like how he got from nothing to being a billionaire, right? And, yeah. and, and he said he was being asked, how did you raise $128 million when you were Mr. Nobody from nowhere? And he says, I picked up the phone. Now, the way I put it in the book, it's all big print, and it's I dot picked dot up dot the dot phone, meaning, you know, you've got to talk to people, right? You've got to be Absolutely. That doesn't change. I mean, yes, I mean, on social media, I have probably close to 60,000 people on various four Facebooks and LinkedIn. I got 5,000 or 7,000 on Twitter. I have no idea who they are. But I mean, you know, all of, and yeah. I have my own Buzz newsletter, which has 26,000 subscribers. But I know how they are because I get the email, but there's a huge following. If I was just upon depending on mailing stuff out to them, I probably would go broke. I got to be in touch with them. I got to engage them, you know, and you do that by phone. But the phone is sort of a thing, right? Particularly in the sales industry. It's so hard to make it a phone call. It's so hard to get agents to make your phone calls. Anything but making a phone call. Why are we so scared of phone calls? I think it's it's actual work. That's why. <laughs> you know, it's it's literally like getting the shovel out and starting to dig a ditch and you know what I mean or whatever. It is physical labor, manual labor to get that phone out and start dialing, you know. And I think the other thing is is people don't have a list. That's one thing we see across everything that we work with is people come to us, they want us to do their calls, they have no list. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, then what are you doing? How are you going to stay in business? Like, it's one of the things I always thought of, like, you know, before I was going to become an entrepreneur, I thought of becoming a realtor. And I said, well, I don't know where to get a list of people that have houses. You know, I mean, obviously on the internet, you can find businesses and call businesses and try and solicit them and things like that. Beautiful thing about the internet. But to actually try and find people to sell to is very, very difficult. And I think that's why most people, number one, are scared of doing calls is their list sucks right away. They yeah. don't have anything prepared. They're, they've called all their relatives or they've called everybody they know and the sphere of influence is done, you know, and they don't have another way to keep adding to that. Because if you're not adding to a list on a regular basis, like at least every month, then the list starts to shrink and then results start to shrink over time and you've got to keep adding to that list. I think the other thing is, is people get in their head about doing calls because they're not confident in themselves. They're not, it's a mental thing. They're, they're not prepared as a person. They haven't done it enough where they don't care if someone says no or tells them to get lost and pound sand on the phone. They, they haven't built up that resilience to it because they've been too focused on scrolling 
on the Instagrams or whatever, and just trying to make believe that they're actually doing work, you know, and whereas they should be trying to just do an hour of calls every day for themselves. And to get into that hour of calls, how many people do you have to have on that list to get that hour of calls done? You've got to have at least 50. So yeah. to do a week, five times five is 250 people to call a month is a thousand. Where are those people coming from? You've got to have that in store. And I think the people that are confident in their list will have a lot more success in becoming confident on the phone. Well, the other thing is, you know, that we actually know a lot of people, a lot more people than you think you know. And so what we used to For do sure. and we still do in the Real Estate Action Group is, said, okay, so to right now, just write down everybody you know. And so everybody goes around and says, well, how many you have? And they say 20 or 30 or 40 people. And so, well, let's take a look at the list. And this is just about 100 businesses, you know, from the priest to the hockey coach. to And you just list them down. Now I said, go down and do you know a hockey coach or do, or do you go to church? Do you know? And write them down. And there wasn't one person in the room that didn't have 150 names within two hours, right? So that you know a lot more nice. people. You might as well call them and say, hey, George, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I haven't seen you through COVID. You have a perfect reason to just chat with somebody. I got the other day, I got a call on a boat broker. And it's how you do, and, and, and I remember the name, so I picked up the phone because I can see who called and I don't pick up everything. But I did call, pick that one up. And it's just chatting, you know, how's the market? You realize we're now going in the winter, there's some great deals out there, there's a show coming up. And what he was doing was trying to fish out, did I still own my boat? Did I want to sell the boat? You know, the, and that's that's good cold calling. And it was really yeah. a home call. He knew me from somewhere. He wasn't really sure it was three years ago or four years ago. But there was there was some connection. And that, look, if he does make 100 calls like that, I guarantee you, we used to say 100 calls, three leads, one listing, right? So so that's how you know sure. you've got to make calls, right? It's a numbers game. And small businesses today can harness the power of things like LinkedIn. We've had clients come to us with like, just for example, a plumbing company. You know, they're trying to expand a plumbing company. Well, hey, we can put a list together of all the property managers in your area just by going into LinkedIn Sales Navigator or hiring somebody overseas or whatever to scrape it. Doesn't matter. Either way, at least that data is available. So people who are starting small businesses who already have small businesses, there are ways to prospect now that weren't available before to do the calls. You can get a good list. So what exactly is it that you do? What does your company do? Let's say I want uh, to you yeah. for a book, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, we specialize in outbound calling services and, and booking appointments for, you know, businesses that are in real estate, specifically real estate brokerages. Most of our clients own real estate brokerages or mortgage brokerages. We are doing calls from the financial industry to set appointments for busy people who are in that industry as well. It's an executive calling service. You know, I have a number of people doing calls for me right now as we do this call because I don't have time to do it. Right. It's one of the things that we found people like we were just talking about. Maybe they don't have the time to do the calls. Maybe they're really good at cold calls, but there's just no way they can fit it in, in their day that's the thing you know and so they would rather have an appointment set for that hour than sit there and try and bang out calls for an hour because they know if the appointment's set they're likely to close and that's one of the things that we excel at is number one having people that work here in vancouver bc canada i'm at our office on house street right now where we train people i've got client care and sales up here with me and one of the things we pride ourselves on is hiring canadians that speak english as a first language that can call places that are expecting that type of uh, you know that delivery you know, if you're going to get on the phone and you've got an accent or you, you don't have a really good command of the English language, people are going to hang up on you right away. 
That's one of the things we found. And we get prospected all the time from client, you know, companies overseas. Oh, use our call center to supplement. And it's only $6 an hour. And it's like, well, that's not an executive calling service. That is somebody overseas that yeah. was just working off a script. You know, when somebody works with us, they get to meet their caller on a Zoom like this. And they get to tell them about their business. And that caller writes a script so that that person understands. And I think that's one of the things that we're going to see a return to now in real estate and mortgage and finance and small business is that personalized approach. Everybody um, wants a personalized approach. I would agree with that. And and I also, yeah. maybe I'm from the old school, but, but I do believe that people need to be, I just writing my Ozbuzz newsletter, point, I'm getting so many people asking, well, you know, I'm, I want my people to come back to the office. Am I an outsider? You know, do I really do the right thing? And I tell them, yes, bring them back to the office. You have a choice. You don't want to come to the office. It's okay. You can go work somewhere else if it was yeah. free. You know, I mean, look, particularly in marketing, people do what you inspect, not what you expect. You know, you know, people, people, you hire them. They're on their best behavior. They're looking great. By the way, you're looking much better than I do. I said, I'm from now on, I'm going to have some better lighting. Um, uh, so, so you so look that, great. Come on. So the point is, though, that uh, in sales you need to inspect, you know, uh, with respect, you know. So you, but you don't, don't. People don't do what you expect them to do, and it's a tough job to, to be in sales. But think about it right now. We are down about thirty-two percent on a ten-year average in sales. No matter what you measure yourself against, two or with you, you, you measure yourself against two. You're down in sales. There's also down in bodies, much fewer realtor, much fewer mortgage brokers. In the United States, 60,000 realtors have gone out of business uh, just by the end of this year, according to the National Association of Realtors. Okay, so on another bright, slightly different topic, will people get go? Why are people get ghosted so much these days? The ghosting thing is new, right? Like this is something that never used to happen. If somebody couldn't make an appointment or something like that, they'd call you or send a text or send an email. And I don't know if it's like the dating culture of ghosting people, <laughs> you know, that person that you don't want to go to the movie with, I'm just going to ignore their texts and stuff like that has bled into business now, but we see it across the board, you know, and like I get ghosted all the time and I'll text them or I'll call them and say, you know, we're scheduled for an appointment right now. You talk to our sales team, you confirm email, what happened? Oh, I got busy with something. And it's like, well, you're not going to respect other people's time. And I don't know if it's a post COVID thing, but no. I sure didn't notice it as much before COVID where it just, I mean, I, that's one of the things I said, I said to a, a millionaire friend of mine, when it all hit, I said, there is going to be 80% of people just checking out permanently now, and maybe 50% of them are going to come back at half, half volume. And then the other 30, 20% of us are actually going to do something right now. And that was as true as the day is long, for sure. And there are still people that have checked out. And it seems like what is that is created is, is these people who don't care. It's like, it's like, you know, when we fire somebody and they don't care, I'm like, oh, well, great. I'm glad that that was good. We fired you. You, you, you didn't want to be here. And that's one of the things with this ghosting <laughs> thing. You right? helped them out the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love you. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. No, it didn't work out. You know, and but that's the thing, you know, as the business owner, getting ghosted is very frustrating, you know, and, and that's one of the things I, I think the only way to combat that is to send a million touches. You know, it used to be enough to confirm something once. Now something's got to be confirmed five times, you know, and you've got to have well, a calendar. Just explain to our audience that are not familiar with the idea of being ghosted. What exact? Give us an example on I'm being ghosted. Yeah, sure. I mean, being ghosted, let's say that you're a realtor. And you've set an appointment at the office with some clients that are supposed to come and meet you at 10 o'clock a.m. on Thursday. You're there at 9.45. You poured them coffee. You're sitting at the table and nobody shows up. Yeah. And doesn't even tell no, you. 
they don't even tell you, they're not sending you a text, they're not calling you, and then you're calling them and they're not answering their phone, and then you don't hear from them again. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do. And the thing is, is they'll feel guilty about ghosting you. And so <laughs> then they'll ignore you, right? And and this is something that is new. And I just want to share like my pain with people about it because it <laughs> happens to me too, right? Like, you know, I, I had two people ghost me yesterday out of six appointments. And I was like, well, why? You know, and then the guy texted me back, oh, sorry, the snowstorm. And I was like, okay, you can't show up for a Zoom call because of a snowstorm. Sure. Okay. <laughs> right? But I know that, uh, that really busy people right now, you know, I know... Uh, mortgage broker, I mean, an extraordinary mortgage broker, but every 15 minutes, he has an appointment. And and today, that's what the automation allows you to do. You can set up uh, your calendar, right? It writes itself into the calendar of the person you're there. Now, I'm not actually for that. I just argued with Michael Campbell, who I do a radio show with, and and his uh, right-hand man. I said, I don't want you to keep writing appointments into my you have to follow it up with an email directly to me or a text that i know that there's an appointment because i actually like to have fewer appointments every day anyways the point is it's a busy world and if you're a busy person you need to talk to a lot of people and so 15 minutes is sort of the limit the interesting thing is that i tried this for a while since i knew i was only going to have a 15 minute call i was extremely focused on getting to the point rather than telling a whole lot of stories and how's your mother and your aunt and do you still have the giraffe in the basement? Well, yeah, all the kind of <laughs> big thing is that, that it does focus you. But on the other hand, by the end of the day, you're exhausted, right? And then if somebody doesn't show, you really don't appreciate it. It's true. And I think that's just, a, I don't know if that's, a, it, and it's not like a generational thing. You can all those millennials, they just ghost everybody. It's across the board. And it, I don't know if it's because of the, the the separation of using digital devices or something like that, where, you know, you used to have to meet people in person. And now when it's just a virtual meeting or something like that, they don't take it seriously, but people get ghosted in, in in-person meetings all the time too. And I'll tell you, I've gotten ghosted on trying to hire people just for my company and they won't show up at the office. And then you're texting them and calling them. It's like you did an initial Zoom meeting, you yeah. looked at the employee contract and then you ghosted the in-person meeting. So you just didn't care, you know? And those are the type of people who aren't gonna become wealthy and successful in the new marketplace, the new world, where there is an abundance of money to, to be earned and people that wanna spend. And that's one of the things that I see every day is there's people who want to spend. They, they're, they're super excited about life and business and they're successful. And hey, I'm sorry if that creates a huge division in whatever you want to call it, classes or whatever it is. I probably shouldn't say classes. But the thing is, is there is so much opportunity out there. And if the people that are, are that want opportunities aren't going to take advantage of the ones that are presented to them, that's their bad. Well, you know? the other thing is, if that happened to me right up front, it's a better side up front. He doesn't show to his own yes. opinion, well, do I really want that person to work for my company? Or will I talk good about him? No. Okay, well, exactly. close to the end. Tell me your wisdom of Rob. Will there be more real estate deals in 2024 <laughs> than in 23 or 22? I think so. You know, I think that, I think last year, I, I I mean, I hope so, you know, but I think last year was kind of rock bottom for the real estate industry. I think that, you know, we got really lucky with all the cheap money in 21 and all the deals that happened in 20 and 2021. And then 2022, we started to see it slow down by half the year, the mortgage rates were way up. And then all of a sudden the mortgage industry is totally suffering, you know, and then you look at like, what was it? 6.1 million deals done in 2021. And then in 20, in the United States, and then in, the, in 2022, there wasn't even 5 million. 
And then last year, 2023, there was maybe four and a half million deals, you know? I mean, that is, people look at that, well, that's still a big number. There's still lots of deals going on. But when you, you had this inflated amount because of the circumstances that happened in 2020 and 2021, there were a lot of people who got into the industry and got lucky right away. You know, people were, things were just flying off the shelf. And then all of a sudden there was no product The mortgage rates are up and all these people who didn't know how to put deals together had trouble. So I think what's going to happen this year is that we've got the people who put deals together. They're going to do a little better this year, you know, and I think we're coming toward the end of that five-year cycle where it's going to rebound and start heading the other way again. But again, that's just my opinion. You know, I just, I talk to people across the country every day and one in, in both Canada and the United States, primarily the United States, and they're optimistic. You know, I, I, you know, and they're optimistic about short sales and REO as well, you know, because there are people who are going to have to refinance. You know, if you've got a mortgage payment that's gone from 1000 to 3500 and your income hasn't, you know, sure. changed to cover that, you're going to have to sell and buy something else. And that will create other transactions this year, probably more so in Canada and the United States, but it will affect both. Well, what people don't realize is like you take uh, Vancouver and we had single family home sales in December. There's 377. Okay. Well, it was 372 in December uh, 2022. So more sales. We're up 2%. But a year earlier, 2021, as you pointed out, the sales were 1,200 versus the 370 that we had that were better than in 2022. So the point was that, yes, we've seen a marked decline in actual sales volume. But we also have seen, as we talked about it earlier, fewer realtors or fewer mortgage brokers. And so the actual number of deals probably are about the same, but your attitudes, you're being positive about the world and saying, okay, this market is down 35%. Well, my deals have to go into the 65% that sell. And that's what I'm going to be focusing on. And if you have that kind of an attitude, we will have a good year. Now, it looks like as early as our Benjamin Tall says it's going to be, interest rates going to come down maybe by March. Uh, Mr. Tacklin, Tiff, Tiff Mackling, says it's going to be June, and Doug Porter from the Bank of Montreal says it's April, and then you look at Jamie Dimon from the United States, it's going to go to 7%. I mean, you can go blind if you look at all the, spend an afternoon on YouTube and type in interest rates where they're going to go. The leading brains in the world look at the same circumstances and don't know. What I do know is that they're not going to go higher, in my view, and we may go down, but it will be maybe a quarter or a half a percent. And then when we realize in the last 50 years, in Canada, the five-year term never went under 5% other than five years. So for 45 years out of 50, we always were over 5%. And so yeah. 2016, 17, 18, 19, where we actually were under 5%. And some of that came into the world then, some the new generation Xers or millennials or whatever, they think this is going to go back there. No, it won't, because 5% no. is it. And so we just did a video yesterday with uh, Ralph Case, my partner, and we said, there's such a thing now, the whisper mortgage. If you just didn't have your, your TV repossessed and you have good credit rating, right? The bank will whisper to you and you can get under 5% right now. 4.99, but it's under 5%. Well, we're right where we were. I mean, I used to do most of my real estate, big, big deals. We're at 10% and 11%. You know, that was normal. So yes, I think we're going to have a better year and we certainly hope so. And you're going to be going to be much more busy as people will not look just for new brokers, but good brokers that care for their customers and the business out there. It's true. And one of the other things, I mean, I, I when you look at buying a home, 
these are usually people with jobs, you know, and they, they want to take that salary that they worked so hard to get to and to put it into something where it's a secure investment that isn't crypto or something or whatever, something they know is tangible, they're going to live in for the rest of their lives. I think if you can't do that, try and build a business. Because if you spend your life trying to build a business, instead of just sticking money into a home that you're never going to sell, that's how you become rich. Right. Like you become rich by investing in a business and investing yourself. Like, sure, it's a great idea to think about the interest rates and okay, I can get a house for this much and I'll be able to afford it on this salary if they don't fire me and I don't get laid off or something else doesn't happen. But if you build a business with a client list, nobody can take that away from you. And then you can sell it in 10 years and pay cash for whatever house you want. You know, and the mortgage rates become inconsequential. It's like worrying about the price of gas. If you can elevate yourself to a certain level as a business person. And it's never been easier to start a business. We've talked about lists, how easy it is to get lists now to sell things and to start an online store or shop or find a niche. We talked about my business. The reason why it's become successful is because I'm inside a niche that is like, I, I own it now. You know, like there's not a lot of people that can compete with me for what I do. It is because I've spent 10 years, more than 10 years, mastering that niche. So I think instead of just trying to find something where everybody's selling the same thing and you're white noise, try and find a business where you are a super niche and become successful at that. And then the interest rates and the price of anything just doesn't even matter anymore. And I think that is so too. When you look around the world, there's a say to YouTube, thousands of young guys or old guys all of a sudden find something that becomes yes. their, their, their mission or and all of a sudden they find their joy. You know, the, the whole idea of uh, if you find something you really like to do, you never work another day in your life. And there is that. But the thing is, we have to be conscious of opportunity. We live in the best, best places in the whole world. If you're in Canada or the United States, the whole world wants to come here. And we are here. For sure. Yeah? And we're complaining, right? So let's make the best of it. Certainly, uh, if anybody wants to hire somebody that help them get more salespeople or more staff and in, in, in a professional, organized way, Rob Sutherland is your guy to do. We're going to have, for those of you that are watching it, just go down below. We have the contact information there. If you hear it on the podcast, you know, just go to ozbuzz.ca where we have Rob uh, featured. Rob, thank you very much for taking the time. Thanks for having me on today, Ozzy. Super good to see you again. Take care. All the best.